welcome, fellow lighting nerds and friends, to The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast, powered by the Lighting Showroom Association and hosted by me, Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, As you know, this podcast releases every Tuesday morning at approximately 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, Please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it with a friend. And those of you who were Patreon supporters of the podcast already know the news that I'm about to share with everyone else, but effective, um, well, with this podcast, (laughs) with effective this episode, um, this podcast no longer has a Patreon support. And I want to take a quick moment to thank all of the Patreon supporters of this podcast Truly without their commitment and donations and energy, um, I might have abandoned the podcast project long ago, but I'm so, so glad I didn't. And it is their support exclusively that really kept me going. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who was a Patreon supporter of the Light Files podcast Um, You all mean the world to me. All of the listeners of the podcast mean the world to me, but you all, especially um, in your commitment and your belief in me and doing this um, was extremely noticed and appreciated. So thank you all so much. So the good news is for everyone, the podcast will continue. Um, I have officially transitioned the podcast. I'm sure you all have noticed through my introductions and the branding Um, The podcast is now officially a a project of the Lighting Showroom Association. And the Lighting Showroom Association, if you are not familiar, is a nonprofit industry trade association comprised of independent lighting showrooms, our sales agent partners, um, some vendor partners like, like Exo Lights and Lights America, and our manufacturers whom um, the independent lighting showrooms purchase their goods from for distribution. Um, There's all of those member groups in the Lighting Showroom Association. Um, Membership dues to join are very reasonable. Um, Showrooms get more than, gosh, more than your return on investment uh, on your dues if you just use some of the tools that we provide. Um, We have some really exciting things in the works for 2022. Um, Our last board call this past week got me really excited about some new offerings that we're going to be having for all of our members. So don't miss out lsamembers.org. So LSA as in Lighting Showroom Association, lsamembers.org. Join now. We really appreciate it. Your membership of the LSA helps support this podcast and many, many other things that we are working on to promote the independent lighting showroom and in a much bigger picture, the lighting fan and electrical device industry. So please do take a few moments to join and uh, become a member of our organization. It, um, well, I'm not going to lie. It's the place to be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Being a part of our organization, there's lots of great membership organizations um, in our industry, and I don't want to take away from them, but I do want to say 
that we are so committed to what we do. Everyone who uh, works for the LSA does it on a volunteer basis. A hundred percent of your dues goes to support the Light Files podcast and many other programs that we are working on and will be coming out with. And we are so nimble and focused and ready to do everything we can to promote our industry. And um, I don't think you will find any other association that is quite as laser focused as we are. So if you're not already a member, lsamembers.org, join now. Okay, that's it with my sales pitch. We've already gone far enough into it. I want to talk about this week on The Light Files about how much effort do you put into a bad blank. So here are my blanks (laughs) that we're going to talk about. But as a business owner, as a manager, how much effort do you put into a bad customer? into a bad employee, into a bad sales rep, into a bad manufacturer partnership or vendor partnership, you know, somebody that provides your business with a good or service like an accountant or an attorney. And I know I'm kind of using that word bad loosely. Um, It doesn't have to be like bad as in like, I don't know, somebody is mistreating one or one person or the other, but I just meant bad in the sense of Um, not benefiting your company profit-wise or in terms of work output, um, just bad, you know, defining bad as just not working for your business in whatever way that is. doesn't mean any of these people are, are not good people or not good vendors or whatever, but it's just not a relationship that's working for your specific business. How much effort do you put into that? And, you know, of course, there's a uh, economic principle here, the sunk cost um, fallacy, um, where, you know, you've, you've already devoted this much time and effort to training that new staff member. Um, it's probably pretty clear that, you know, this person isn't going to work out for whatever reason, but you've already put so much time and effort in and you don't want it to be a sunk cost. So you just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> even even though it, deep inside in your heart of hearts, you know that it is probably in the long run a waste of time. You just don't quite want to believe it. So you, you keep going. I think about this a lot. So I have some thoughts about each one of these. I know, shocking. I have thoughts about it. But I have some thoughts about each one of these and how much effort is required in each situation. And I think my answers aren't going to surprise you, but I would challenge you to think about this in your business and how you're structured. Are you, um, are you afraid of your sunk costs and not willing to part ways with any of these people, relationships or things? Or have you, you know, have you just maximized your effort and it really is time to cut your losses and move on? So how much effort do you put into a bad, let's start with employee. And by bad employee, I, I, I know that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to everyone. And it does definitely depend on the job. Um, for me, Uh, The people that work in my warehouse, I want them to be efficient. I want them to be accurate and I want them to come to work on time. Those are like the most important things to me. 
Now, does my list of important attributes for a showroom lighting consultant look very different from that quick list for my warehouse staff? It absolutely does. So it's a, you know, a a different range based on whatever the position is, of course, but sometimes, um, you know, when you've hired somebody and nobody hires anyone without going into it with like the best warm and fuzzy feelings, right? Otherwise you wouldn't have offered them a job. But if you go into this, this partnership with your employee with the best warm and fuzzy feelings, but you get to 30 days in, 60 days in, you get to six months in and you're just starting to see that I just don't see how this is going to work. They're not getting it. This isn't working. They can't follow this procedure. They're just not understanding how to sell these goods, you know, especially in a showroom sales position in our industry, learning how to sell what we sell is definitely an art form. It's not something that is necessarily intuitive for everyone. It does require a level of finesse and a level of technical understanding and most importantly, confidence (laughs) in your vision for how something is going to look in someone's space. And that confidence has to be rooted in reality of whatever the technical side of that install is. You can't just be confident something's going to work because you want it to work. You have to know that it's going to work. So that confidence have to has to come from a place of factual understanding of what we're doing. So when you have all those pieces in place, you get a great employee. Like that's a dream employee I just described. <laughs> but not everyone is going to be able to master all of the parts and pieces and components that goes into making that standout employee. It's just not always going to happen. And sometimes it's been really heartbreaking for me. Like I've hired people that I truly like and enjoy, but then at some point I realize this isn't going to work out long term. And so then becomes the really challenging decision of what to do, because I have to say, I haven't let that many people go. I've had plenty of people quit on me, not plenty. I've had my fair share of people quit on me, but I've only had to let a few people go. And I have to tell you every time it is gut wrenching even if I know it's the right decision, it is just so hard to sit there and look somebody in the eye and say, this isn't working. We have to go our separate ways. It's like a breakup, but worse because a breakup, you could be like, I can point to all these things, the emotions, they probably get it too. It's very out there, whatever. But, you know, in a professional situation, you're tamping down all of those responses. Like maybe they know it too, but they want to be able to walk out with a good reference or, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's really, really challenging. So my answer to how much effort you invest into a a quote unquote bad employee, I'm actually going to say of all of the things I listed, customer, employee, sales agent, manufacturer, vendor, I'm going to say you put the most energy into an employee because there's always a chance to turn it around. There's always the chance of getting to that aha moment when things work. And if the employee has proven a positive attitude and a commitment to your business, I think that can cover 
a lot of things. Now, of course, if the employee isn't showing up to work on time, has a really bad attitude, um, can't seem to learn anything or keep anything straight, like that's a whole different scenario. (laughs) And that person should go and go quickly. But hopefully we were smart and didn't hire them in the first place. But I tell you what, it can be really hard to tell. And in the uh, economy that we've been in, I know many of us have hired out of necessity and not necessarily the person we would have selected for the job if all else was equal. So the other thing that we I think about a lot is how much effort to put into a bad customer. Now, all of us who work in the showroom understand exactly what I mean by a bad customer. And we love all customers, but some of them are... Uh, challenging and demanding in a way that does not make sense and does not help our business in any way, shape, or form. Because you think, okay, the customer is spending money. That's what I'm here for. Um, That's what we want. But occasionally you get a customer that becomes so outrageously demanding and um, disrespectful of your time and just wants this and that and the other, but doesn't doesn't understand that that is an investment in your time and staff to provide all of that to them, it can be really challenging to split up from that bad customer because the customer is our lifeblood. Without the customer, we don't have a business. So at what point do you say enough is enough and this relationship with this customer is not serving me anymore? And I know I've talked about this a bit before. It is definitely a challenge. And again, of the things I listed, uh, customer, employee, sales rep, manufacturer, vendor, the thing I would spend at least the most time or the second most time, because I know I said I would spend the most on an employee, but the second most, if not most, would be a customer relationship for all of the obvious reasons about, you know, my business wouldn't be in business without customers. So like this is critically important to what we do, but there is absolutely a line that must be drawn in your head. Maybe it's written down on a piece of paper so that you know where that line is and you don't lose sight of it. Maybe you maybe you make a, this is when we break up with a customer flowchart. I'm not sure that looks different for everyone, but there is definitely a distinct spot at which this customer has requested one too many things of us. The demand level has gotten too high and we no longer can meet that as a customer, as, as a business and satisfy them. And that is such a disappointing place to get to. And it rarely happens. Let me also put that caveat in. This rarely happens where a customer becomes so outrageous that you just can't deal with them anymore. Most of the time, if you explain things in, in nice detail, if you're pleasant and, and you know, demonstrating that you're doing everything you can to help the situation, it rarely escalates to this point, but it does sometimes. I think if you catch somebody on the wrong day, in the wrong mental space, just the wrong things going on in their life, it can lead to this really toxic discussion. 
And I just want to encourage all of us to not be afraid to walk away from that. Or at least even in like in a relationship, let's take a break. (laughs) Um, Maybe don't respond until the next day. Maybe just say, I got your email. I'm thinking about it. I'll get back to you on such and such a day. But getting sucked into like a spiral with a customer is not something that benefits any of us. So next on my list of how much effort I'm going to jump to manufacturer. How much effort do you put into a quote unquote bad manufacturer partnership? So this is really challenging for me because a, a, a bad manufacturer partnership can look like a lot of things, but I'm going to define a bad manufacturer partnership for me as one where the manufacturer is not supporting the independent lighting showroom channel of distribution first and foremost. I don't want to be supported along with all of the other channels of distribution. I want my channel to be primary in your minds. And that's asking for a lot, (laughs) considering all of the other ways there are to sell these goods. And I get it. I get that I'm not going to be the only egg in the basket, nor would I expect anyone to look at my business and expect me to only sell to builders or only sell to retail customers. No, no, no. We need more eggs in our basket. We need more diversification. I expect manufacturers to have that same diversification, but I do expect it to be a true partnership with the lighting showrooms. Here's why I think it's different. We are educating ourselves on our on the product. We are putting it on display. We are learning all of the finishes. We are learning all of the sizes. We are learning all of the details. We are learning the CFM. We are learning if it's the kind of motor it is. We are learning what kind of blade options there are and what colors the blade options come in. We are learning all of this. We are truly investing time and energy into these products. We're not just putting them up on a website and saying, click here if you think you like this. We're not doing some sort of, you know, tech sales on the back end of, okay, we have your product on our website. Now we want you to subscribe to some other service. We're not doing that. We make our money selling the light fixtures and fans, not add-on services that are semi-unrelated to what we're doing. And, um, I guess if I'm going to put push back against the sales direct to the trade, we are stocking the product. We are showing the product. It is, you can come touch it, feel it, turn, click the switch on and off. Like we, we have got it. We as showrooms put an extra level of investment into the products that we're selling because that is what is required in order to sell them. (laughs) It is a, a mutually beneficial partnership there. And that's the key, mutually beneficial. When this partnership becomes very one-sided or the other side of the partnership has made it very clear that selling through showrooms, yeah, that's great if it happens, but if it doesn't, we're okay because we're selling all these other ways. Like once you get that sense, I believe, you know your business, independent lighting showroom, And you know when somebody is selling this way and that way and the other way in your market. 
And I would suggest that when you think things have reached that point, you reach out to that manufacturer, you reach out to that sales agent and you say, these are my concerns. How can we address them? And if they cannot be satisfactorily addressed, I say it's time to take a little break. You don't have to break up, but I think it's okay to step back and take a break. And just say, okay, well, if you're not, if you can't support my business in this way, I'm not sure I can support yours. And how can we get past this? And I think these decisions and these conversations should be had as soon as the concerns arise. So unlike with a customer or employee, I think the effort involved in these is not prolonged. This is not a forever and ever process of figuring out whether your relationship with a manufacturer should last forever. Like this isn't a prolonged discussion. These are discussions that are had when things arise from a place of calm, from a place of positivity, from factual information about what's going on. And you take those facts to your sales agent, to your manufacturer partner, however your, your uh, channel of communication is, and you ask them to address them. And if it can be addressed satisfactorily, great. If it can't, let's move on. So that's how much effort I would put into that. Um, and same thing goes, I think I'm just lumping manufacturer and vendor into the same category. Uh, similar if uh, my accountant, I felt like was doing a bad job or my attorney or my whatever investment broker, these are things that I would address very quickly, nip in the bud, uh, factually list out my concerns. If those cannot be reasonably met or understood, okay, it's time to part ways, take a break, move on. And lastly on my list is sales agent. And those were a little, that's a little trickier because I don't have any real power in the sales agent relationship. Um, they work for the light fixture fan electrical device manufacturer, um, but they are there to take care of my account and the things that I need as a business. So I think um, this is this the effort question, we're going to end right in the middle of the road with the sales agent. So I think you don't put the most effort into this, but you don't put the least because a great relationship with a sales agent can be extremely beneficial when you think that relationship with the manufacturer is going south, but you have a great relationship with your agent that can be fixed or you have somebody that knows the person to talk to, to lobby on your behalf, and that can be extremely valuable as a showroom. But if you have a sales agent that doesn't understand your business, that doesn't try to work with you the way that you operate, that just, you know, does their own thing and collects their percentage paycheck, um, yeah, those relationships are real challenging. And I don't know how much time or energy I would possibly invest in trying to improve them. That said, I have had some um, relationships with sales agents that started off rocky, have gotten better. Sometimes we've backslid a little bit, but the, the relationships that I've really worked at maintaining and really worked at trying to get the agent to understand where I'm coming from, from my business and my specific needs as a business, those have paid off very, very well for me. Um, but yeah, sometimes you reach somebody that just is, never seems to get it, that never seems to understand. So definitely at that point, 
you need to go back to the person that employs that sales agent and say, here are my concerns on this occasion and this occasion and this occasion. I've, I've told this person what works for me, what doesn't work for me. We're still not seeing eye to eye. And then hopefully some resolution can be found that way. But I want to close this podcast just encouraging all of us to think about how much effort you might be putting into a bad fill in the blank in your business, a bad forklift. Maybe you just need to go spend the money on a new forklift. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be something as big as an employee or a customer or a manufacturer. Um, how much money are you spending on a bad delivery van that it, you know, the tires keep going flat and the oil change and the batteries, like at what point, how much effort are you putting into a bad blank in your business that maybe it's time to just take your losses, take your lumps and move on. Because I think oftentimes we definitely get trapped in these cycles of, well, the van needs a new, another, you know, oil filter, just like it did last, you know, last month. And, but these aren't necessarily costs that you should be absorbing. We should be thinking more strategically about what really serves our business and don't focus so much on that sunk cost. Man, I tell you what, that sunk cost gets me every time. But when you can pull back from that and realize we're trying to do something with a bigger picture, it can really help reframe how you're looking at a little small situation. And so as always, I would encourage you to do that in your business, to take a big picture view, not just a detailed view, but also a big picture view and step back and think about where do you want this to go? What's truly most important to what you're doing here and focus your energies on those tasks. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Light Files community. Please join the conversation. I appreciate all of your input and I hope everyone has a wonderful day and take care.